You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are exactly what the world needs, and God has brought you here for his divine purpose. This is not the time to wring your hands in despair. This is not the time to get drowned by the voices and turbulence of the outside world. This is not the time to get worried about what you could have done and what you couldn't do in the past years. Rise into your decade of relevance. Step into your season of prominence. A new decade has just begun. This is Purpose 2020. And now, prepare your hearts as we welcome God's servant this morning. Praise the Lord. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. This morning, we are privileged and blessed to be in the presence of the living God in our homes. I know you're tuned in this morning to hear the word of the Lord. And I believe that the Lord will speak a word to us this morning. Before we go into the word, shall we bow our heads for a word of prayer? Father, we thank you. Always an honor to gather at your feet and to hear your word. Martha came to you and said, let my sister Mary come and help. And you said something to Martha. You said to her that Mary has chosen that which is good and it will not be taken from her. Sitting at your feet, learning from you, hearing your word is the reason why we gather this morning. And I pray that the enemy will not take that from us. As your word comes, Father, let it minister to our hearts. Let our hearts be broken. A broken and a contrite heart is what you desire. And as your word comes, I believe that it will give us a reason to grow in you. Father, our desire is to know you more and more. Our desire is to seek your face. Our desire is to become like you. That is why we call ourselves Christians. And as your word comes, let it guide and teach us that we can be like you. Ultimately, oh God, my prayer is that these lips of clay will be anointed to speak your word. Let the oracles that come out of my mouth not be from my own person, but be from you, oh God. Speak a word to us this morning. This is our prayer, and we call it done in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you have your Bibles, can you lift it up? And let's make our declaration of faith. As your Bible is lifted, say this after me. This is my Bible. It is the word of God. I will go where it says I can go. I will become what it says I can become. I will achieve what it says I can achieve. Now, wherever you are, slap your chest and say, I am a believer. Amen. It gives me my joy to come your way Sunday after Sunday. And today is no exception. And I believe that the Lord will speak a word to you this morning. 
over the next two weeks, over the next two or three weeks, I'm going to be sharing a word with you that I believe will change your paradigm and will give you a reason to know Jesus even more than you have ever known him. As a background to this teaching, in this day and age, our focus as believers has almost become as if we are looking for deep revelations. We are running after signs and wonders. We are running after things, hoping that the Lord will give us a prophetic word. We come to church, and our desire is that the pastor will be able to bamboozle us with some things that we have never heard before. And we will close church, and our song will be that, oh, it was, we had deep revelations. There, there was Greek and Hebrew words and, and all of that. And so there's pressure on the man or woman of God to deliver a word that we believe will fit your expectation. Secondly, I believe that nowadays the art of discipleship or discipling people is almost lost. People come into church. We embrace them into church. And somehow we hope that by joining the church and, and being like one of us and singing the songs and, and listening to the sermons, they understand the basics and fundamentals of our faith. Oh, how wrong we are. It is when this believer, so-called believer, gets into a crisis moment, and then you begin to realize that the roots are shallow. There is no depth to what this person has come to know. The person has no understanding of the fundamentals and the doctrines of our faith as Christians. And so it gives me my joy that I'm going to be sharing with you a series I have titled Fundamentals of Our Faith. Once in a while, you ought to put aside all the glamour and the glitz and go back to the basics, the very basics, what, what the, the apostle will, will title our first love and, and clearly understand what we have signed up for as children of God. We are going to go back to basics. And I believe that no matter how insignificant, no matter how little, no matter how shallow you think or, 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 or easy this is, I still want you to open up your heart. And as this word sinks in, it will change the way you view our faith. It will change your theology. And it will let you understand that it is the simplicity of the gospel. It is that gospel of the cross of Christ. It is that gospel of love that first attracted us. And that is why we are here hearing this word this morning. I believe that our faith comes in three dimensions. And that is what I'm going to be teaching us on. And after I am done with these three dimensions, I believe that you would have a more concrete understanding of what you have signed up for as a child of God. Indeed, you would know and you would come to understand the essence of walking in the power that has been given to us. You will understand the essence of principles of our faith and you will get a good understanding and theology of who Jesus is. After all, we call ourselves Christians. 
That means we want to be like Christ. So I'll be teaching you three, these three dimensions. We will talk about the person of Jesus Christ. We will talk about the principles and the teachings of Christ. And we will talk about the power of Christ. These three things come together to give you that authority that you ought to have as a child of God in this world. Today, I want to start with the person of Jesus Christ. Very simple it looks. But if you grasp or have a good understanding of this person, this, this being that you have aligned with, this person whose name is on your life right now, if you get a good understanding of who he is, you're going to walk a victorious life on earth. And subsequently, you are likely to make it to heaven. If we call ourselves Christians, the least we can do for ourselves is to ask ourselves, who is this Christ that we want to be associated with? Who is this Jesus that we boldly declare to the world that we are disciples of? Do you know him? Or do you know about him? Two different things. A lot of us know about him, but have you had a deep thought and experiential revelation of who Jesus Christ is? Turn your Bibles with me to John 14 and verse 6. I would also do Romans 10 and verse 9. And Philippians 2, 9. I'll do John 14 and verse 6 first. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now turn with me to Romans 10 and verse 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Finally, turn with me to Philippians 2, and I'll read from verse 9. Philippians 2, 9. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him, and this is Jesus, and given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven, and of those on the earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of of God the Father. If the Bible is yours, you want to underline that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord as in Adonai. Today I'm sharing with you the person of Christ. Who is Jesus Christ? Before we can understand who Jesus is, we need to have a background, an overview of why we, this man, this individual, this person who is divine and also fully human, 
is so important in this conversation. Who is Jesus Christ? Some of us will say Jesus is the son of God. Some of us will say he's the son of man. Some of us will say he's the second person of the Trinity. Some of us, and Jesus was also so interested in this question that he came to his disciples one day and said, who do men say that I am? At every point in our walk with God, we need to ask ourselves this question. Who is Jesus in our lives? Some said he was Elijah. Some said he was one of the prophets. And Peter, by revelation, said that you are the son of the living God. You are the Messiah. You are Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus has become so crucial in our conversation because, you know, when God created man, God gave man dominion over the earth. God created man in his image to be like him and to rule and govern this earth and to fellowship with God as one to another of the same caliber. Because we were created in the image and in the likeness of God. Then we fell. Adam fell. And we lost our place as fellow friends or, or sons of this God that he had created for fellowship. We lost our place in the garden. We lost our authority on earth. We became subject to the whims and the caprices of the devil. The devil had control over us. Sin became a daily part of our lives. We lost our connection and our bridge to God. You see, when, when, when you lose your connection to God, it is like your umbilical cord has been cut from the one who sustains and gives you life. So when we lost our place and our relationship with God, man became a living dead. Our lives became unbearable. Everything that we wanted to do, we could not do. The devil directed and orchestrated our very lives. He tormented us. He brought pain into our lives. Sicknesses into our lives. Oh, he brought death. He, he brought betrayal. Everything that will not give man a good life here on earth. Separation from God was painful. Painful not just for man but also for God because he sought a man that he could have fellowship with. We came to a point in our walk where we had to sacrifice animals to atone for our sins before we could have an encounter with this God because this God, we cannot encounter this God in our sin and live. But the blood of animals were not enough. We needed the sacrifice, the blood of a man without sin. And God had to let his only begotten son come to this world, take on the form of man, be rejected by man, suffer a cruel death. He took our sins and he bore it on the cross of Calvary. And the essence of that act was so that by substituting our sins for him, we can have access to God again. Jesus Christ is our bridge to God the Father. 
Jesus Christ is our source of life and hope that we can make it back to God when we leave this earth. We can go back to our creator, to heaven. The assignment of Jesus on earth was twofold. He was coming to ensure that man could get his place back in the Father's bosom when we exit this world. That is the salvific definition of who Jesus is. He's our savior. He's the one who came to redeem us from sin and ensure that when we exit this life, we can make it to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. Listen, Jesus is not the only way. Anytime you say that, it means that there are other ways. Jesus is not one of the ways. Jesus is not one of the prophets. And I want us to get this understanding because in our current theologies and doctrines, we are being made to accept that, oh, let's be liberal. Let's be open-minded. Don't close in. Accept other religions. Oh, Jesus is one of the ways. There are many ways to the Father. And Jesus is only one of them. Maybe the Muslims will go. Maybe the Buddhists can make it to heaven. But I want you to understand here and now that Jesus was very definitive. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Today, I want this to sink into your spirit because it would inform the agenda that you have for reaching out to souls on earth. If you come to accept the doctrines and the heresies of the world and, and, and to accept that it is, it is okay, everybody can have access to God as long as you are spiritual, as long as you live a good life, as long as you, you do A, B, C, D, even without Jesus, you can have access to God. The devil has sold you a lie. No wonder we are confused as children of God. I want that to sink into your spirit that Jesus is is the way. No other way to God the Father. Beyond that, the Bible says in, in Philippians that he, he descended on earth. He became an incarnate savior. He died on the cross. He is seated on the right hand of God the Father. And the second assignment was for him to come back and give us that authority and power that we lost when man sinned in the garden of Eden. When John had sent his disciples to Jesus to ask whether he was a Messiah, his answer was simple. Go and tell John what you see. The blind see. The lame walk. Demons are cast out. I have come back on this earth to take back what the enemy stole from you and give that power and authority to rule and to govern and to have dominion on the earth back into your hands. Our second assignment as Christians, if we call ourselves Christians, then our second assignment is to accept that, that decision and opportunity to rule and to reign in this life. But how does that happen? Only on one condition. And it is only when we accept the lordship of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, if you believe with your heart, you confess with your mouth 
that Jesus is Lord, then you have a right to that authority that you desire. But here is the catch. As children of God, our confession is only on our lips. Our decision to be Christians is only in word and not in deed. It is almost akin to somebody saying that I am a policeman. How does that policeman have authority as long as, as soon as he wears that uniform, he can control you, he can tell you to lie down and you lie. He can command you to get into a cell and you get into a cell. If he takes on that, that uniform or if that policeman is dismissed from the police, it is that same individual, but he has lost his authority to tell you to do anything. That same individual who could order you to go into a jail can now come and stand before you and you say, I won't comply. Why? Because he has lost his authority. And he lost his authority because he, he decided that he would not comply with the rules and the regulations of the authority that he aligned with. That is the story of us believers. We have lost our authority. We cannot enforce what is rightfully ours because even when we mention the name of Jesus, there is nothing like the sons of Sceva. The demons will look at you and say, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. But who are you? We have lost our authority because we are not connecting to Jesus as Lord. We agree that he is our savior. But many of us don't agree that Jesus is our Lord. And how do we not agree? when everything that we do is contrary to, to us complying with the lordship of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a kingdom business. In this kingdom, the rules of the Lord is paramount. You break the rules, you are, you are exited from that kingdom. Jesus' Lord means that he is priority in your life. Jesus is Lord means that every action and decision that you take must be in the interest of this Lord of your life. So as a child of God, you decide that you don't obey the rules and the regulations that will make you a child of God, that will give you rights and privileges in this kingdom, yet you want to say that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of your life. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Nothing should be more important than this Jesus and, his, and who he is and what he has assigned us to do. Every moment that we live our lives as if other things are more important than this Jesus, he ceases to be the Lord of our lives. And when we cease to be citizens of this kingdom with the power that is vested in us to overcome and to have dominion on the face of the earth. Jesus ceases to be Lord when we become totally dependent on ourselves and lose trust in his abilities to ensure that we live a good life. How do we do that? We doubt his promises on our lives. We doubt and trust in our own capabilities as men. 
We believe that our, our, our decisions, our ideas, our, our plans uh, supersede the plans of the Lord of our lives. So many times we say that we have cast our burdens onto him. We have come to him to say, Adonai, these are the challenges that I have. But we leave his presence and we are worrying about the situation and we are trying plan B's and we are going on our own frolic and we come back and say, Jesus is Lord over our lives. That is a joke. If Jesus is Lord indeed over your life, then he requires that you have 100% pledge and commitment to the cause of Christ. If Jesus is Lord over your life, then he desires and, and he requires that we trust in him 100%. No doubts in our minds at all that our strength can take us anywhere. Cursed is the man whose trust is in another man. Sometimes we trust our spouses. We trust our friends. We trust our employers. We trust them more than we trust the person that we say we want to be like and that we serve. Jesus has become our savior, but he is not our Lord. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the savior of our lives. Jesus is our connection and our bridge back to God. In the name of Jesus, every knee bows and every tongue confesses that he is Lord. Jesus has given us that authority that we can go forth in his name as sons of God and declare and believe with all our heart that power in heaven and on earth has been given into his hands. Our faith must be in this belief. Our convictions must be based on the fact that Jesus is Lord. Our desire must be to serve this Jesus with all of our lives. In fact, our every waking moment, priority must be this Jesus before we can say, that we are children of the Most High God. Before we can say that we are Christians and that we follow a Christ who didn't just bring us salvation, but he also brought us the power to have dominion in this life. Without this understanding, the principles are of no account. Without this understanding, the power will elude us. So today, I want you to reconsider in your heart. Is Jesus the savior of your life? Is Jesus the Lord of your life? If you answered no to any of these, you probably want to go on your knees right now and you want to believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is the savior and the Lord of your life. Some people will say, oh, but people do well, regardless of whether they believe in Christ or not. Once they practice the principles of Christ, they will do well. Next week, I am going to share with you on that dimension and that realm on the principles 
of our Christ. And I believe that when you have a good understanding of all this, your life as a child of God will completely change. Your life will be a miracle every single day. Because as a child of God, you are not of this world, but you are in this world. As a child of God, you will live a life that is beyond human understanding. You will have the supernatural ability to declare things in the name of this Jesus. And it will happen. Once you have a good revelation of this, anytime you lift up your voice and you say, I declare in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, every voice, every name must submit to your authority. I hope you have been blessed. This is just the beginning. Next week, you want to join us as we touch on the principles of Christ. And then we would move on to explore the power of Christ. These three things are crucial for life, victory on earth, and also for us to make it to heaven. If you don't have Jesus in your life, then the next two is of no essence to you. It's a waste of your time. Use this week to reconsider your relationship to Jesus Christ. Use this week, the entire week, to, to ask yourself questions. How well do I know this Jesus? Have I submitted fully to the Lordship of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Do I depend on my own strength? Or I depend on the strength of this Lord? Do I serve my own interest? Or the interest of this Christ is paramount in my life? Thank you for joining us. God bless you as always. And I pray that you are joining us on Facebook Live in our 14-day fast. It continues unabated. And every 12 a.m. to 2 a.m., we pray on Facebook and on Instagram. And I'm inviting you to, to sign in and join us to pray. We are also on Star 103.5 every Wednesday and Friday from 5 to 6 AM. I'm also excited to share with you that we have launched our podcast. You can find it on Anchor. You can download Anchor. Just type in the Hope Arena and all the messages that we preach from the Hope Arena will be on there. It will bless your life. It will edify you. And I pray that as it blesses you, share it with somebody. It's absolutely free. God bless you. My name is Pastor Wahima Intim. How you start your day is very important. You need to command your morning. If you haven't started tuning in to Star 103.5 every Wednesday and Friday, I don't know what you're waiting for. Hi, my name is Patricia, and I don't joke with starting my day right. That is why I start my day soaking myself in the Word of God. That is why I tune in to Arena of Hope on Star 103.5 FM to help me start my day right. It's been a blessing since I started listening to the Arena of Hope radio ministry by Pastor Wyman. You need fuel to finish the week strong. Listen to her on Wednesdays on Star 103.5 FM. And in fact, you need more fuel to go through the weekend. So she comes again on Fridays between the same time on the same radio station. Listen to the Arena of Hope radio ministry and you'll be blessed. It's life-changing. 
don't be left out every wednesday and friday 5 a.m tune in and let's start our day right on star 103.5 fm it is the maker's house